Consciousness is a difficult topic within psychology. Partly, this is because there are substantive obstacles facing any attempt to explain consciousness. Partly, it is because consciousness has sometimes been considered not to be a legitimate topic for investigation. Partly, it is because different researchers bring their own perspectives and assumptions to the subject. And partly, because it is not always clear what is meant by the word consciousness. Richard Stevens has written extensively on consciousness. His trimodal theory, a comprehensive theory of human action, aims to provide a framework for interrelating different kinds of psychological understanding. He was also a founder member of the Consciousness and Experiential section of the BPS. Frederick Totes has written extensively on the psychology of stress, ethology and motivation. As well as trying to keep order, I'll be also injecting something of my own perspective into the discussion, a perspective that comes from cognitive science and is informed by my research into concepts, categorisation and language acquisition. We'll be trying to divide the discussion to consider three main issues. First, there is the question as to what we mean by the word consciousness. What exactly are we referring to when we talk of consciousness? Second, there is the question as to how adequately some of the theories raised in the chapter begin to explain consciousness. Lastly, we'll spend some time considering whether it's plausible to think that science, or psychology understood as a science, could ever provide an explanation of consciousness. Well, perhaps we can turn to the first of these three questions. Um, Richard, perhaps I can start with you first. You've written on the integration of different aspects of psychology into a single comprehensive theory. That might make us think you are best placed to tell us what consciousness means. What, what do you think the word consciousness means? Well, if I could just talk first about the way the word consciousness is used. You made this point in the introduction. I do think one of the problems with dealing with consciousness is that the word is used in very different ways by different people. What you essentially seem to get is a kind of consciousness becomes a rag bag for all sorts of different kinds of cognitive phenomena. So um, thoughts, beliefs, what people are aware of, everything goes into this notion of consciousness. I mean, one useful feature of the chapter, I think, is you point out some of the different kinds of consciousness that are discussed, like access consciousness, being able to monitor one's own thought processes, the idea of consciousness of self. So there's different ways which you point out in the chapter. But actually, if you go back over the course and look at some of the other chapters, there are topics there which are not labelled consciousness as such, but are dealing with very much the same kind of issues. If you take chapter 6 on perception, for example, when you are perceiving something, when you see something, well, that's being conscious of something. So presumably all the processes one's trying to use to explain perception must in some sense underpin conscious awareness. Or if you're using the concept of attention, in the way people use it, like William James's definition of consciousness, it's very much what it is one is aware of. So it's, very, again, very similar to consciousness. Mm. So the point I'm making is that I think the concept of consciousness within the framework of psychology is used very loosely and covers a whole range of different kinds of processes and phenomena. So I think what I would want to do is to restrict the use of the term to make it useful. And I would want to restrict it to what you term in the chapter as being phenomenal consciousness. In other words, what it is I am aware of at this very moment. That, for me, is what I would like to term consciousness. Mm. OK, thanks, Richard. Fred, perhaps I can turn to you. Richard's portraying a picture whereby psychology hasn't really done 
uh, its work properly. We've got this term consciousness being used, but we haven't been at all clear about what it means. Is that your view? Yes, to some extent it is, and I think, I I regret to have to say, that that what I could contribute from a biological perspective is perhaps some insights into all the other bits of the ragbag, as Richard calls it, other than phenomenal consciousness. One can see good arguments as to why, for example, information processing in the brain should have a specialised compartment, say, that we call conscious, in order to give direction and unity to behaviour, coherence to behaviour, and for sophisticated species, one can see why, for example, the capacity to model the intentions of another could be useful and might well have evolved. But I guess this is doing all the background bits, the necessary bits that lead up to phenomenal consciousness. It doesn't really give you much purchase on phenomenal consciousness. Mm. And I guess, I mean, that's, that's not just true of biological approaches, but also of cognitive ones. Yes, well, perhaps you're in the best position to illustrate that for us. Well, I'm thinking of the the accounts that perhaps someone like James Reason gives of action slips where our monitoring of our own consciousness somehow goes awry. And he gives examples where people have unwrapped sweets and, you know, popped the the wrapper in their mouths and thrown the sweet in the bin. And it's it's as if at one critical stage of the complex sequences of actions there's not sufficient attention given to that sequence and, and so things go awry. That seems to be quite a, you know, a helpful way of thinking about some of the processes involved in that part of consciousness. But when it comes to the consciousness that Richard wants to restrict the term to, phenomenal consciousness, there I'm not sure that information processing helps us at all in understanding what it is perhaps to have a feel or some raw feeling or experience mm. associated with a perceptual event, let's say. What it's like to be a human. Yes. What, I'm what, not sure, that's right, I'm not sure it can illuminate that. Mm. Well, if biological and cognitive approaches don't really help us understand this thing called phenomenal consciousness, uh, what does? Richard, I think you've got some ideas as to how we might approach this. Well, the thought occurred to me, you know, if I'm criticising psychology for not using consciousness uh, precisely enough, then uh, it's incumbent on me to actually look at what consciousness is. Well, consciousness is a first-person subjective phenomenon. So what I set out to do is to actually become aware in a very systematic way of what it is I am conscious of in the immediate awareness. I did this with a friend over a period of time, over a period of 10 days. We spend an hour or two individually reflecting on what it is we're conscious of and then come back together to discuss this. Bit of a problem at first because I found that trying to think about what, a, what it was I was aware of was actually contaminated, if you like, or affected by my preconceptions of what consciousness is. For example, I used to think of something like reflective consciousness as opposed to immediate consciousness. And it took me some time to get beyond that conception and really tune in to what actually I'm conscious of. When I did that, and at the end of the process, it came up for me with some very surprising results, in which I found not very um, comfortable at first, because to me it seemed, when I really examined it, that consciousness was essentially about perceiving perceptual sensory phenomena. What I'm aware of is, is people, colours, shapes, trees, objects, things like thoughts, 
ideas. These are not conscious, it seemed to me. These were part of unconscious processing. They may actually inform what it is I'm aware of, but they're not part of a conscious. So what I'm saying is that conscious, phenomenal consciousness is essentially perceptual. It's about what you can see, about what you can hear, about what you can taste, and not just about actual ongoing process, but of course about remembered images. They're much more shadowy, but remembering something that you saw, you heard, and so on. And also, this would include the remembered thought, experience, sounds of language, words, or images of words. And these themselves, rather like the percepts, carry meaning with them. They carry implicit meanings. Not meanings which are present, but meanings which give you a feel, if you like, for what it is. If I look at you, I see Nick, for example, and I know Nick, so it's not just looking at a stranger. So there are implicit meanings in my percept. And the same is true for when I hear the sound of a word that I know, that that will have implicit meanings. But the meaning itself is not present in consciousness. It's implicit, if you like. And consciousness would also have this feeling aspect to it, the the raw feel of these experiences? Well, I suppose the point I'm I'm trying to get at here is that I'm talking now, and I've no idea, I'm not conscious of the thoughts which are underpinning what it is I'm saying. I just hear the sound of my words. When I hear the sound of my words, implicitly, I understand what it is I am saying. Well, thanks, Richard. Um, Fred, do you think this illuminates the nature of consciousness? Something that worries me about it all is that presumably for consciousness to have emerged, it must do some job of work in terms of the ultimate arbiter of something in evolution is whether it's useful in terms of, well, spreading genes. I mean, is the standard story as to why things have been selected. Now, consciousness presumably comes at a cost in terms of the size of brain necessary to support it and i would therefore want to see some kind of role in terms of modulating responsivity to events of or some kind of executive function in controlling behavior and i'm not sure i got that out of what i heard from richard no i think that's a very good point fred um i do think it, it does serve that function though i didn't elaborate that the function i think it serves it that it allows consciousness allows us to have a multimodal integrative view representation of the world around us for example you can link the sight of something. You can see, um, say, something coming at you and you can hear the sound and connect the two. So it constructs a multimodal representation within the mind. That is what I see the function of phenomenal consciousness. And that representation has got to somehow link with action. Well, obviously it would do. If you have a a model of the world in which you live, Mm -hmm. a conscious awareness where the different sensory inputs are interrelated and integrated, that provides you with a basis on which to act. Okay. Maybe we should throw this back to you then, Nick, and to ask you to briefly say what the cognitive approach is all about. I mean, from the cognitive point of view, I think consciousness seems strangely demarcated in some ways. We have, I think, good reasons to think that information processing tells us about access consciousness, how we can get information from the senses and that information can be passed on to other processes and so on. I think we have uh, reasons to think that monitoring consciousness might be explained in a broadly similar way. In fact, uh, James Reason in his analysis of action slips proposed distinctions between two kinds of information processing, controlled and roughly controlled and automatic processing. But it does seem when we come to this issue of phenomenal consciousness, we're rather struggling 
uh, firstly to find the words to kind of frame the issues sensibly and then struggling to find the methods to connect it to what we conventionally take to be the core of psychology. Would that be a... I mean, cognitive psychology does seem to me to really more focus on the unconscious, what you call computational processes that underpin what we experience rather than consciousness itself. Would you think that was a... I think think that's absolutely right.